Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Where once the battle lines were conservative or Labour and leave or remain, the question's now mask or no mask. And the debate seems to be drawn along similar lines. We're asking why conservative voters are more likely to oppose mandatory face covering. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. In the UK and the US, a visual shift amongst world leaders. Both Donald Trump and Boris Johnson have been seen wearing face masks in public for the first time. We do think that masks have a great deal of value. Obviously, they're mandatory on public transport, on the tube, uh, but they have a great deal the of value. The UK government was initially reluctant to advise the public to wear face coverings, even as other countries in Europe did. In England, face masks became mandatory on public transport in June. And now the Prime Minister says they must be worn in shops from the 24th of July, or you'll face a fine. The World Health Organization initially suggested masks weren't effective in preventing the spread of coronavirus, but now recommends face coverings in indoor spaces. But as the international consensus shifts towards the use of face coverings, anger amongst some members of the public. A YouGov poll found that whilst the majority of the country still support the move to make face coverings compulsory in shops at 60%, that dropped amongst Conservative voters and Brexiteers and rose amongst Labour voters and Remainers. Boris Johnson, the former of course, has also maintained a cautious approach to making them mandatory. To discuss the Prime Minister's own hesitation over the move and why some view them as a muzzle on the nation's liberty, I gave The Telegraph's parliamentary sketchwriter Michael Deacon a call and he started by telling me why he thought Boris Johnson wasn't keen on imposing a mandatory face covering rule on the country. Boris Johnson is an instinctive libertarian. He believes in the freedom and the liberty of the individual and he doesn't like any kind of state meddling where he can possibly help it, certainly not in people's personal lives. And so I think that's one of the main reasons why he's been so reluctant to impose face masks on people. After all, um, coronavirus you know, hit this country, what, four or five months ago now? And we've seen in other countries people have been wearing face masks for a lot longer and he has clearly resisted that for quite some time. And it's only quite late on that he's given in really and started telling people that they've got to wear them. Of course, a few weeks ago we saw that um, uh, we saw him telling people to wear them on public transport, but it's only now, quite long into the summer, that he's telling us that we've got to wear them in shops and who knows what might happen in future, maybe offices and other places as well, pubs and restaurants. We're not sure of that yet. It's possible. But you can tell that he is reluctant. He is only doing this reluctantly. He didn't want to impose this on people. That goes against his instincts, but 
when you see him talking about it, it is kind of like you're watching a kind of a wrestling match taking place between two different sides of his personality. You've got the libertarian laissez-faire side, which wants to let people do what they want and doesn't want to have to inf- interfere or meddle in their personal lives. And then you've got the other side of him who's in charge of the country during a pandemic and would quite like fewer people to die of this disease. Um, and so these two sides are, are, are warring with each other. And in the end, it's the second side that has come out on top. I suppose the most obvious example of the confusion or perhaps the hesitancy, as you say, within the Tory party on face coverings is Michael Gove telling Andrew Marr on Sunday that he didn't think face masks should be mandatory within shops, but he said he thought it was good sense to wear one. Uh, before the government made that announcement on Tuesday that they would become mandatory in shops next from next week. And on the same day, on Tuesday, Michael Gove being pictured in a Pret coffee shop without a mask. So is this tussle that you're describing in Boris Johnson there, is that one we're seeing more widely across the Conservative Party? I'm, I'm not sure it is. I think it's mainly uh, a tussle within Boris Johnson. What was really interesting this week in the House of Commons is that Matt Hancock stood up and confirmed that face masks were going to be compulsory in shops. And lots of Tory MPs got up to speak, but only one of them actually complained about it. It was Sir Desmond Swain, who is a Tory backbencher for New Forest West. Uh, Normally quite an eccentric, droll, even quite funny kind of a character, you know, rather odd. Never seen him rant or get really angry before, but he was absolutely furious about this new rule. Uh, He called it a monstrous imposition. Against myself and a number of outraged and reluctant constituents. Nothing would make me less likely to go shopping than the thought of having to mask up. Now, I'm sure there's probably quite a lot of members of the Conservative Party, particularly on the, the Brexit side, it has to be said, uh, the libertarian right, who, who are dead against having to wear a face mask. They think it should be a matter for the individual to choose. In fact, some people even seem to think that it's in some way cowardly or suggests personal weakness if you wear a mask. And so they won't like being forced to wear masks. And like Sir Desmond Swain, they might even refuse to go shopping rather than wear a mask. But it really struck me that um, Tory MPs weren't even commenting on it either way. They decided to ask Matt Hancock questions about totally different aspects of uh, the, the pandemic. And that made me wonder, is it that they just automatically agree with face masks and therefore think there's nothing more to be said and have no objection, no questions? Or is it that they oppose the policy privately, but don't want to speak out about it. In fact, maybe the whips have ordered them not to speak out of it. Have they been muzzled, to coin a phrase? I don't know. It was very striking because I expected the Tory right to really complain about this. And they didn't. It was only Sir Desmond Swain in over an hour of questions about it. That really surprised me. Not least because there was a big disparity between people saying things in the common, as you say, a relative silence from the the Tory MPs and then people saying things on um, social media. You had activists and party members posting pictures of their membership cards cut up into pieces or with angry messages scribbled onto them. People like former Tory MP Douglas Carswell, he tweeted, well, I'm no longer going to the shops at all. Um, You had longtime Conservative supporting journalists like Toby Young. He said that he was never Mm. voting Tory again. And he called them mandatory face nappies. There's a gulf, isn't there, between Mm. the anger from the party members and the silence, as you say, from the majority, the vast majority of Conservative MPs. Yeah, between what Conservative MPs are prepared to say in the Commons and what Conservative supporters or former Conservative supporters they may be now have been saying online. It's become 
part of the culture war almost, you know, an identity thing. If you see yourself as being on the libertarian Brexit supporting right, mm. then you are automatically against face masks. And uh, if, if you're on the op- other side of the argument, then you love face masks and are very happy to wear them. It, it's, it's very striking that the, the loudest voices against this face mask rule are all on the pro-Brexit right. It's very, very striking, that divide. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Brexit thing because I, for one, don't subscribe to the argument that the Remain Leave debate is over. Um, Mm. I know plenty of people like to tell us that it is. And actually, YouGov did break down those who support mandatory face coverings in shops into those who would identify as Remainers and Leavers. This is on Monday, this poll. So that's a day before um, the mandatory face covering announcement in shops was made. But they found that 69% of Remainers supported the move compared to just 55% of Leavers. The average Mm. across everyone was 60%. So it is elevated more support for mandatory face coverings in shop amongst Remainers and and less amongst leavers. Why do you think that is? Well, it is very odd. I mean, there isn't really a rational reason for that, I would say, because, you know, there's no obvious connection between wanting to leave the European Union and refusing to wear a mask on your face during a pandemic. You know, there's there's no real relationship. And yet it just seems to be the way debate is going in this country, certainly online debate among people who are always online, who spend their lives in social media. It's become so tribal. And maybe what happens is when a few leaders of that tribe say, this is our position, we care about it very strongly, the followers of that tribe all pile in and decide that that's their position too. That's that's only my guess, because I don't see what other link there is, frankly, between wanting to leave the European Union and not wanting to wear a mask. You know, it's, it, it's not a rational thing. Um, so I just think that tribalism right now is all pervasive, certainly online, perhaps not within you know, the wider country. Because if you look at the YouGov poll, it shows that a majority of conservative supporters um, back the new mask rule. I think it was 57%, which is only Mm. very slightly lower than the um, figure overall. I suppose the only striking thing about that YouGov poll really, or the main striking thing, was that 80% of Lib Dem voters uh, supported mandatory face coverings, which is obviously far, far above the 60% Mm. um, across, across the board. Do you think that the backlash against masks being made compulsory in in shops for now is about the masks themselves or about the fact that this measure is being brought in now? I think maybe, yeah, if if the government had brought in masks right from the start at the same time they called the lockdown, then uh, and also if they'd taken the lead and every time a minister was out in public, they were wearing a mask, uh, that might have made a difference and maybe people would have gone along with it. Now, of course, in those days, most shops, apart from supermarkets, were shut. So you'd have had to have just said, well, they're mandatory Mm. in uh, supermarkets rather than shopping generally. But yeah, I think if they'd done it from the start, then people might have just accepted it. But I think it's harder for people now because so many of the restrictions have been eased. Uh, and they're used to going back to pubs and restaurants and the hairdressers and so on, cinemas even. And then suddenly, a few weeks after you reopen shops, now you tell us we've got to wear them. And it's hard to see the rationale behind that. For example, why didn't you tell us sooner? When you reopen the shops, why didn't you tell us you've got to wear masks now? Why is it coming in several weeks later? So it adds to the confusion. And it has to be said that a lot of government messaging over the last couple of months has been very woolly and people are finding it increasingly difficult to follow the rules or even to know what the rules are, because there seem to be so many discrepancies between them. And I think people are starting to find that frustrating. And that might be one of the reasons why people object to having to wear masks, because they think, well, why? Why do I have to wear them now if I didn't have to wear them before? What's the logic here? And really, it hasn't been explained. 
I, I suppose the government would say that the science on face coverings has changed since the lockdown measures were first uh, brought in and that perhaps there's a stronger case for them now, though other countries do seem to have found that stronger case uh, a little earlier using, one would think, the same science. Now, Michael Deacon, I'm going to throw a wacky idea at you to end this podcast uh, and see if you think I've gone completely loopy, which after four months of covering almost entirely coronavirus is is not beyond the realms of possibility. (laughs) But let's see, this is my little theory. Uh, Do you think it's too far-fetched to suggest that those who don't like the idea of mandatory face coverings see them as constraining their free speech because they literally cover the mouth? You've said yourself that they have been referred to Mm. as muzzles. You know, I think there might be something in that, you know. I think there might. It might be unconscious. But uh, certainly if you look at the kind of um, uh, popular figures online who are very anti-mask, they tend to be people who spend a lot of time arguing in favour of free speech. They're, they're free speech activists. It's the same kind of people. So the, the link may be unconscious, but I think, I think possibly it's behind it. Now, of course, again, wearing a mask does not actually impinge on your free speech. You can... You can speak by wearing them. I mean, it's not very pleasant or comfortable. It's, 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 you know, we all know how warm and stuffy it gets. But no, literally, it doesn't impinge on it. But I think, yeah, I think they probably consider it symbolic of people being silenced, a population being silenced, everyone being muzzled. I think there might actually be something in that. I think you're right. That's true. What really interests me, though, is that as well as being a great free speech supporter, the people who are anti-mask, they also tend to be people with... Um, a great interest in the Second World War. Um, I'm not being disparaging about that. Hey, uh, we all are in this country, um, the most crucial period in our history. But I just want to know, if, if, if those anti-mask people were alive in the Second World War, would they have opposed the use of um, gas masks? For after all, every citizen had to have a gas mask and you were expected to take it everywhere you went. Would they have opposed that? And indeed, um, would they have opposed, for example, blackout curtains? Would they have said, well, this impinges, impinges on the liberty of the individual? You know, um, I, I can't have my lights on at night. I've got to switch out, you know. I don't know because, you know, life was very um, restricted then. There were a lot of restrictive uh, rules during the Second World War. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we're finding things out about ourselves um, at the moment, finding out how we would have behaved um, at that type of uh, at that time of peril. I don't know. Again, it's just speculation. But it's um, it's interesting, the psychology of it, because when, when you break it down, it is just a piece of cloth that you have to put over your mouth for... I don't know, maybe two minutes a day. It depends how long you spend shopping, but it's not like you have to spend the whole time doing it. And yet it clearly has prompted real anger, real indignation. Um, That's very striking. So there has to be more to it than just momentary discomfort. So I think your idea that it's linked to, even unconsciously, it's linked to people's support for free speech. I think there may be something in that. Well, it's always nice to end a political podcast on a, on a note of agreement, uh, possibly rare these days. Um, so thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you very much. You can, of course, read Michael's astute and always amusing political analysis in his parliamentary sketches and columns on the Telegraph website or via the link in the episode description. The rest of the coronavirus latest news. The rate of infection in England was significantly reduced in the month before lockdown restrictions were lifted. According to new research from Imperial College London, which looked at the rate of infection across 120,000 volunteers, the R number throughout the country was halving every eight to nine days during May. There were on average 13 positive cases for every 10,000 people, with an overall reproduction number of 0.57, lower than previously reported. 
The Prime Minister has, for the first time, committed to an independent inquiry into the handling of the pandemic. Acting Lib Dem leader Sir Ed Davey urged Boris Johnson to call an inquiry at Prime Minister's questions. Mr Johnson said now wasn't the right moment to devote large amounts of official time to a review, but said it would happen in the future. Researchers at King's College London are advising people to self-isolate and get tested if they notice a new rash. The team behind the COVID symptom study app, which has over 330,000 regular UK users, found that one in five people who reported a rash then tested positive. The study's authors say the research strongly supports the inclusion of skin rashes as suspected COVID-19 symptoms. As always, you can read more on any of those stories by clicking on the links in the episode description. If you're not already a Telegraph subscriber and you fancy trying before you buy, go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio where listeners can get 30 days access to The Telegraph completely free. While you're there, I've recommended these films before, but they are really worth your time. Um, My talented colleagues on the video team have made another brilliant short documentary in their Telegraph Decode series. This time they draw back the curtain on the World Health Organization. It's a short film that codes the organization's triumphs and troubles, including why US President Donald Trump withdrew funding to the WHO, as well as finding out what's next in its unfolding story. I'll put the link to that also in the episode description. If you're finding these podcasts useful, please do let me know by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out what we're up to and it lets me know that you still want this type of audio. If you'd like to get in touch, maybe you have a question or a topic you think we should be covering, email me. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm